So before we get into our message, I found a little video from Studio C that really sets us up for today's subject. So take a look at this. Okay, welcome to life. Can I get you started with some education? Yeah, how much are your college degrees? Four years apiece. Great, I'll have business. All right. Engineering? It's next two years. I'm not doing anything else right now, so. Okay. And for you, miss. Uh, I can't decide. It'll be a year. What, I didn't order yet. Two years. I'm a the, the liberal arts. You're gonna mm. regret that. And for you. I'll have English. Wait, we're at a nice place. Get something real. English is a real degree. <laughs> this is a real... Okay, how about spouses? Yeah, can I get soulmate? Yes. I don't know where that rumor got started, but we don't serve that here. I can give you love of your life. Okay, All that sounds good. good. Okay, how do you want it cooked? That's not really hot. Crazy hot. Like, make it as spicy. I've got a list, actually. So, Perfect. Um, really long brown hair. Like Shakira, wait, her blonde. Blonde, brown Shakira. Um, she needs to have straight teeth. Nothing like crazy, like whatever. It's gonna look crazy. Early onset Alzheimer's. We're gonna curse you with. Oh, curse. You're gonna order that? All right, here are your spouses. Looking for the Awesome, thank you so much. Oh, I'm sorry, I ordered a medium, but this is a large. Just happens with time. Um, is mine coming? Might take a while. Cal, just settle. Scratch the model. Bring out the sad cat lady. Microwave special coming up. Yep. Can I interest you in any careers? Um, can I get something where I go straight to the top because I'm special? Yeah. Here's our millennial menu. I'd like novelist, please. You're gonna want to hold on to those options. How much for CEO? Twenty years. Ooh, pricey. We do have a fifteen-year option, but you miss all your son's baseball games. I will have that. Okay. Speaking of, could I get a baby? Sure, that'll be nine months of sluggishness and vomiting. Me too. It'll be nine months of watching that. No. No. Okay, I'm just gonna get three babies. Well-behaved or monsters? Well-behaved. Just <laughs> kidding, you don't get to choose. Yeah. Uh, your wife, sir. Thank you. Okay. Oh! Could you send her back, please? Uh, she's rich. Thank you, that'll be all. Don't look her in the eyes, it's not so bad. What does yours look like? Dang it, that's cool. Order! Thanks. You got it. My late wife used to tell me. Okay. Here are your just desserts. Is that best-selling novel? Yes! It paid off! Just like we all said it would. And you guys have accrued some free time? All right, right at the age when it's least enjoyable. And here are your grandkids. Oh, these look spoiled. You actually did that. That's right. Three more, please. Okay. Thanks. Well, everyone, it's been a good meal. We should come back sometime. Oh, we have a strict YOLO policy. We should have gone to that Indian restaurant. Could we get a doggy bag? Oh, you can't take any of this with you. Fine. Look, I just want to say that in light of our inevitable... I'll be right with you guys. Yeah, thanks. Wait, we're not your last customers? Did you think that? I guess we always thought you'd close once we left. You know what? Send them a round of wisdom. Our treat. And our national debt. <laughs> <laughs> There's that 
I get for you guys? Some privilege? Yeah. Disregard for elders? It's usually what yeah. you guys like. Yeah. Um, what are your, what are your lunch options like? Um, we have a smartphone <laughs> with a side of selfie obsession. <laughs> So wouldn't that be amazing to look back at life and just be fulfilled, just be utterly satisfied with what has happened with your life? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today in this fourth session that we're calling Bliss, Jesus's formula for extreme happiness. Now, when I talk about extreme happiness and that Jesus wants you to be extreme happy, extremely happy or blissful, not just regular happy, but extremely happy. The way that we know that is because Jesus in his most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, he actually starts it by listing eight beatitudes or in other words, eight attitudes to be. And he starts all eight of these key strategies or formulas with blessed. And when we look at the word blessed or blessed, we find out that it actually means in the Greek, extreme happiness, blessing, or bliss. And so what Jesus is doing is he's actually giving us formulas for bliss or for extreme happiness. Now, when we talk about happiness, however, we don't define happiness like our culture defines it, like our society defines it. One of the things that actually underlines all these seven or eight strategies that Jesus gives us for happiness is that true happiness doesn't and can't depend upon the things that happen in your life, what happens to you, good or bad. And this is what Jesus is saying, and this is the main point to this whole series, is that God's way to happiness is not about circumstances. It's about your attitude toward your circumstances. And this is the big idea for this whole series. And so each of these beatitudes or the keys to happiness, it actually has to do with our view or our attitude toward the circumstances that we're going through. And so for today, we're going to look at the next beatitude. And so this next beatitude comes from Matthew 5 as well. And of course, it starts out with blessed, which as we discussed, means extremely happy or blissful. And so Jesus says, extremely happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, so they're hungry, they have this craving and a thirst for this thing called righteousness. We'll talk about that later. And it says, if that happens, they will be filled. Now that word filled there can be translated all different kinds of ways. And there are a lot of translations actually use the word satisfied. Here's how the Living Bible says it. Happy are those who long to be just and good for they shall be completely satisfied. The New Century Version says it this way, those who want to do right more than anything else are happy because God will fully satisfy them. What would that be like to be fully satisfied? So if you're here and you're not fully satisfied in an area of your life, maybe you're doing life, you're pursuing life, and you're kind of coming up short in an area, Jesus uses this metaphor of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And I love that metaphor. You could say it like this, God wants to fulfill your truest hunger on the inside. There's a true hunger on the inside where, and if, and if he can fulfill that, you will be satisfied. But so often when we talk about living a satisfied life or living a content or extremely happy life, the reason that our culture leaves us unhappy is because it keeps promising us happiness in places that true fulfillment and happiness, it can be found. 
It's like every advertisement. I love watching advertisements because it kind of gives me this view into our world, right? Every advertisement is actually a self-salvation plan for some kind, from some kind of hell that you're going to go through. Like, for instance, the SUV commercials. And don't get me wrong, I like SUVs, we have an SUV, but the first thing is you're sitting in traffic, right? You guys know what that's like. It's miserable, it's not moving, it's hot. But the next scene is you're in that same SUV and you're driving through the beautiful mountains, mountain roads, and what they're saying is, if you get this SUV, we are gonna deliver you from mundane traffic hell or cosmetic commercials. And I got nothing against cosmetic. You know, if the house needs painting, Paint it. You know that anti-aging cream that's like $873? What they're promising you is if you buy this cream, it's going to save you from wrinkles on your face hell or whatever it is, aging hell. And for all of us, as we are nurtured in this environment, we are constantly looking for the next thing to fulfill us. Like I would just be satisfied in life if I could get that job. I'd be satisfied if I could get rid of these wrinkles, if, if I lost that weight, you know, I'd be satisfied if I could just get that car or maybe when the kids finally get out of the house. And some of you are like, no, when we finally have kids and other people are like, when I finally find my spouse, I will be satisfied and delivered from loneliness hell. We're always talking about being satisfied because of the circumstances that are around us. And what I'm saying is all those desires that we have, listen, they're all just echoes of the truest desire that we have. When you think about not wanting to age, it's about wanting to be eternal, right? But that is an echo of another desire, spiritual desire on the inside. Or when you think about being delivered from mundane life hell, we're all on the mountaintops and we're going here and we're going there. We all have a vision of escaping mundane, ordinary parts of our life. We desire relationships, and all of us desire intimacy, but it's an echo of a greater desire, which is a desire for intimacy that is, that, that is truly intimate with God. And see, that's what we're talking about as far as being hungry and thirsting after righteousness. In fact, there's a story, there's an account of a woman who met Jesus, and she met him at a well because she was thirsty she had physically thirsty. She had gone to get some water. And Jesus is, he and his disciples are on the way somewhere. And he sends the disciples into town to get some food. And they leave Jesus at this well. And when he gets to the well, there's a woman that's already drawing water. She's a Samaritan. And Jesus, who is a Jew, says, hey, while you're drawing your water, could you get me some too? And she's shocked. Because in their culture, men don't talk to women and Jews don't talk to Samaritans. It was a racial thing. And this is how amazing that Jesus is. He destroys racial and gender barriers. And so this woman, she asked him, why would he, you know, why would you be talking to me? Because I'm a, of a gender and a race that a Jewish man would never associate with. And here's what he says in John 4.10. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, then you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So she would know that something is different about this man. For one, he's talking about himself in the third person. So she asks him, so where can I get this living water? And so Jesus knows she bit. She's leaning in. And Jesus says, everybody who drinks of this water... 
speaking of the water in the actual well, will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks this water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become, inside of them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then the woman says, hey, give me some of this water so I won't get thirsty and I won't have to keep coming here to draw water. She took him very, very practically. She thought he was talking about physical water so that she would, she's like, that'd be great. I'll never have to come to the well. And he says to her, all right, go call your husband and let him come because he knows her life. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. You don't have any husband. In fact, you have had five husbands and the man that you now have, and some translations say that you are now living with is not your husband. So what you just said is quite true. You don't have a husband. Busted. At this point, she knows that this is very different because now she's busted. This man has seen into her life what nobody else could have seen from where he was. And so she says, I can see that you're a prophet. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So after getting busted from Jesus for living with a man that she was not married to, she totally changes the subject because she knew she had tried all these things to live a satisfying life. She's tried this, she's tried this, she's tried that, and it's not working. It's not fulfilling. She's still thirsty on the inside. Another man. And let me tell you, if you're living a life in in whatever it is and in your area of life, you are unsatisfied, this beatitude is for you. You want the bread and the drink that will completely satisfy you. Jesus says we have to hunger and thirst after righteousness to get that. And that brings us to the question, what is righteousness? What is this thing that if we hunger and thirst for, it sounds like a big spiritual word, a Bible word, a Christianese word, but what is righteousness? Well, righteousness is not one thing. It's actually two things, okay? Righteousness is, first of all, a right standing with God. It means like you're good with God to be made right or have a right relationship with God. He's good with me, I'm good with him. Romans 1 says the good news of the gospel shows how God makes people right with himself. Romans 3 says we are made right with God. Here's how you do it, is when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. In other words, Jesus paid for your sins. Do you wanna be made right with God It means that you are in right relationship with God to know that you're right with him. And even though we've all done nothing but wrong our whole life, all of us have, but Jesus pays for that wrong. And so we have this clean conscience. And then Romans 5 says, and since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, Jesus' death and resurrection, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since we are friends, our friendship with God, which gives you a clue as to how you get made right. How do I get made right with God? It's a friendship with him that was restored by the death of his son. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So then it says, so now we can rejoice. In other words, be rejoiceful, extremely happy in our wonderful new relationship. So if you wanna know how to become righteous or become right, It's not joining a church, attending church. All those things are good, but it's a relationship with God. And here's what can happen. And this is what may blow your mind is that he's not just your God. 
is your friend. It's a relationship change. And until you've experienced that, you've never experienced Christianity. To know that when you're praying, you're not just talking to some deity in the sky. You're in the presence of your best friend. And you're right with him. You feel as comfortable with them as you would your earthly best friend. And that's what I want for all of us so bad. Righteousness. A right standing with God because of what he did. But it's not just a right standing with God. It's also right living on earth. Now, the second one is important because you could say, well, I did this one. I confess Jesus as my savior, but I still don't have contentment. Well, a lot of times it's because we're living our lives our own way. Because when you call Jesus your savior, you confess him as your savior. You get a right standing and a relationship with God. And because of that right standing and that relationship, me and God are good then you begin to live right here on the earth. And the reason is, is because of your relationship with God. See, we can't get this backwards. You'll mess this up. That'll mess you up if you get it backwards. You can't get a right standing with God because you live right on earth. Say that again. You can't get good with God because you're good enough. No, you'll never be good enough. You live right on earth because you are good with God and you have a right standing with him. One's from the inside out and one's from the outside in. And you want to live your life with power from the inside out so that we can have right living on earth. See, today in our society, we have two different things. One is, it's kind of like the good place. Anybody seen the good place? You're trying to live a life where you're measuring up so that you can, you, so that you can get good with God and you can get into heaven. That's one side that's wrong. The other side that's wrong is that all truth is relative. There is no truth. There is no right and there is no wrong. It's just, well, my truth is my truth. Yeah? How's that working out for you? Are you fulfilled in your life? Are you satisfied? Have you found what you're looking for in your truth? Are you living a life that is satisfying? And look, by the way, when people tell you that, I've got my own truth. Don't fight with them. You just say, that's fine. You try that. And if that doesn't work, if that doesn't satisfy you, I'm here. Come talk to me, to me. Don't argue with him. Just leave the light on. That's what the father of the prodigal son did, right? He just left the light on. He let the sun go and he left the light on. And by the way, that's instruction from God for somebody who has a lost child or a prodigal son today. You might want to write that down. Proverbs 14 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Talking about not physical death, emotional death, a death to your dreams. So what do we do? We have right living on earth by pursuing a lifestyle that God intends that's found in his word, the holy scriptures. So even as culture shifts and things are moving away from the authority of God's word, look, we're not going to move. Is that right? Jesus says, if we want to live a satisfying life, then now satisfying life, once again, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have any challenges, but to be filled with life, to be satisfied with life is when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you breathe in and you think life's good. You're not worried. There are things that are going wrong, but you're not worried. You're not anxious. You're satisfied. If you want a satisfied life, according to Jesus, we have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
We're going to hunger and thirst after righteousness, which is, yes, I'm good with God. He is my Savior. And then it's also that I am going to follow him. I'm going to surrender my life, that he is my Lord. It's not just my Savior. He's my Savior and Lord. And because I'm hungering and thirsting after a relationship and also to follow him, then my life, your life, will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, which is a right standing after God and right living. And if you're hungering after those things, then you'll be filled, or in other words, you'll be satisfied. Now, We've designed this entire church. Everything about this church is designed specifically for this, to help you hunger and thirst after righteousness, to pursue that right standing with God and also your right living on earth, to help you grow in your relationship with God, your right standing with God, and also to help you conquer that right living with God or for God. We've designed everything about your church. It's all designed for those two things because those two things actually equal you coming the disciple that God made you to be so that you can have a satisfied life. You see, our vision here at Living Word Family Church, our vision is to build strong families. That's our vision. But our mission is the Great Commission to go into all the world and to make disciples, teaching them the things that Jesus has taught us. In other words, reproducing ourselves. So our mission is to make disciple makers, to grow us all up spiritually so that we can live a satisfied life. And, and everything at Living Word is designed for that. So look at this. This is how we accomplish our mission. If our mission is to make disciple makers, and that's all of us being the disciples that God made us to be, hungering and thirsting after righteousness so that we can make other disciples. If that's our mission, then these are our mission strategies. And this is how we help all of us pursue righteousness. Belong, believe, become. You see this all over the place. And it's important that we belong that we know that we belong to Jesus and his house and his family in the body of Christ. In other words, the church. In other words, there is a place at the table for you. You belong. Everybody's welcome. Regardless of what you look like, what you smell like, what your background is, uh, what your race is, of what your age is, of what your gender is, regardless of any of that, of what your problems are, of what sin is in your life, everybody is welcome at the table. Everybody belongs. And then after we've created this welcome atmosphere of belonging, the next thing, the next step we want to see people take is we want you to have that right relationship with God, that you're making him your savior and your Lord. And the next is water baptism, the baptisms. If you've actually submitted your life to Christ, after you're following him, the very next step that he tells you to, to take in following him is baptism, water baptism. And then there's baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there is a place at the table for everyone. This is where you can belong, belonging with him and belonging together. There is a place at the table for you. And so this is what creates the atmosphere where when people walk through these doors and into this place, there is a spirit here and an atmosphere here where people know, where we know we belong, we can belong. So then after you're sitting at the table and it's time to eat, you're receiving ministry. So you're putting on a bib because you're consuming ministry. You're gonna eat 
That's what you're doing right now. That's awesome. You're prioritizing church services that everything else is not more important than the gathering of us together. And that, that is for us adults. Also, the kids and the kids' services, it's so important that they get together and that they're learning together and they're developing relationships and, and connections with each other. And for those of you that are home and you're watching, man, you can attend online, you can watch. Uh, if you have health issues or you're in another location, God bless you, We're, you're welcome. But if you've got children that aren't coming to church and creating a habit of being in church, I hate to tell you, but when they get older, that's gonna be an issue. And, then, and we have Sunday night youth services that are designed specifically so that students can hunger and thirst after righteousness and they will be satisfied. It's why we've designed meetups so that they can make connections with people, so that they can learn the deeper things. They could take the mask off and then your personal services meetups, and then your personal devotions. This is why we have the one-year Bible. We encourage you in that, to prayer, 21 days of prayer. All this is so that you can believe about yourself what God believes about you. Because when you do that, it changes everything for you. Hunger and thirst after righteousness, that's what this is, that's what this is all for. This is you understanding that right relationship and that right standing with God. And then become. This church is designed so that you can find out what your purpose is and become who you're supposed to be so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. Jesus says he, didn't, he came to serve, not be served. So we're at the table and we belong here. We've got a bib on and we're consuming ministry. And now it's time for us to contribute to ministry. To be a, don't just be a consumer of ministry. You do want to be a consumer of ministry. You want to have good meals. You want to have your bib on. But you also want to add an apron. You want to be a contributor to ministry. Be a part of what God is doing here. That's part of right living here on earth, righteousness. It includes joining a team, serving others, start the growth track and find out what your giftings are, your purpose, so that you can join a team and serve others. That you could be generous, be kind and give offerings. Maybe the grace initiative. And then another way that you're becoming who God made you to be is that you're bringing other people. A few times a year, you're going to have the opportunity to share your faith, to share your church, bringing other people to faith and bringing them to Jesus and then bringing them to Jesus's family here, what we're doing now. And so you see this everywhere, belong, believe, become. And look, it's not just three catchy words that start with B. That's a preacher disease. We do that. But it's a strategy it's our mission strategy. And let me say this, you can't earn your right standing with God. Even if you did all these things, that's never gonna earn you a right standing with God. That right standing with God, that relationship with God only comes from you accepting him and surrendering your life to God and calling him Savior and Lord. But these are just there to help you hunger and thirst after righteousness which is you deepening your relationship with God and you strengthening your walk with God, that we could grow in righteousness and right standing with God, right living with God, to the point that we can live that full life, that satisfied life, that life that you're looking for, that I want, when all the tools that you need are right in front of you. And so I wanna encourage you, and this is the main point for today, Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lean in, which means go all in on what God has for you. 
He has led us and he set this whole place up for your success, your satisfied life so that you can become the overcomer that you were meant to be. He's laid a meal out before you in the church that you attend. And I'm encouraging you. I'm even begging you. Hunger and thirst after right standing with God and right living with God. I'm saying go all in with what God has provided you. So often as a pastor, I see people that are struggling in life. They're not satisfied. They're struggling. And here's, just to be honest, here's what's frustrating about that. So often the tools that we need to go to that next step, that next level in our lives, fulfillment, satisfaction, so often those tools are right in front of us. They're built in to the body of Christ that we belong in, Living Word Family Church. And so I'm inviting you once again, Go all in with God, lean in. So if we have 21 days of fasting and prayer meetings in the morning, fast and come pray with us. If we tithe, tithe. If we have meetups, go to a meetup. If you're a student, go to 24-7. Here's my question. This is my question. If you're living life and you are unsatisfied with what you've been trying, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? than to go all in with God and his house and the place that he's placed you in. See, as a pastor, I know that God has amazing things in your life, in our lives, individually, as well as corporately. I know he's got something for us, for you, that can change you, that can satisfy you so that we can turn our lives to other people. But the frustrating part is so many people, they just refuse to eat that meal. They refuse to go all in with God. They just take a little piece here and a little piece there and a little piece there. And sometimes that's a sickness that a lot of us who grew up in church, and we've been in church most of our life, that's a sickness that we're infected with. And look, we can become so familiar with all the trappings of church that we forget that built into the fabric of the body of Christ or the church are the actual answers to our hunger and the answers to our thirst, that satisfying life. But we become so overly familiar with them that we, we become inoculated. Yeah, 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 I know. Preachers always want us to go to church and go to small groups, but I don't really don't have time. Now, I, don't, I want a satisfied life and I don't have a satisfied life, but uh, I really don't have the time. I really don't have the energy for all this church stuff. I know you want me to serve on a team, but I've already done that. I've already been there. I know I should prioritize church, but look, I come once a month. Isn't that enough? And I love you, but that's kind of part of the frustrating part is so many times there's gaps in our life and we're not going all in. I've heard that sermon. I've heard 18 sermons on that. I got the church mug. I've been there. I've done that. Sometimes we can create these scenarios in our heart that really keeps our, our appetite and our heart from God instead of to God. And look, it's easy. It's easy for that to happen. And let me just tell you, this happens to the best of us. Even those of us that are on staff at the church, we have to be careful that we're not inoculated to the actual tools that are also supposed to help us take our next steps with Christ so that we can be satisfied. So here's my challenge for all of us, including me. We've got to ask ourselves the question, 
What is it that keeps us from being satisfied? What is it that's keeping us from hungering and thirsting and pursuing righteousness and taking advantage of the things that are placed right in front of us that will equal our spiritual growth and our satisfaction? Could be that we fill up on the wrong things, but there's no nutrition in it. There's no life in it. So many people are filling their lives with things that will fill them for a moment, but there's no long-term nutrition in it, spiritual nutrition in it. And so we're empty. They're empty calories. We're filling up our lives sometimes with things. Our calendars are scheduled to the hilt with things that don't ultimately satisfy. We've eaten something that's not going to actually satisfy us. We've filled up on it. Now, look, I love Mexican food, but the problem with Mexican restaurants are the chips that they bring you because they're so good, right? Am I the only one that by the time the food gets to the table, I'm full of it? A little bit of guacamole, a little bit of queso, right? I'm full. They, I mean, they bring the food to the table. I'm like, can you box it up? Because I'm full. Sometimes our life is like that. I want you to think about in our lives, what are our chips and salsa that have not satisfied? What are the things that our society says will make us happy But the true Jesus happiness, true extreme happiness, Jesus bliss only comes from pursuing a right standing with God, righteousness, right living. What's the junk food in our life spiritually that has taken the place of the things that God placed right before you, the next steps in your church that are supposed to help you live a satisfied life? What is it that's keeping you from being satisfied? What is it that's keeping you from the table that's been set right before you? Your church that is meant to help you hunger and thirst after righteousness, which is a right standing with God and right living here on earth so that you will be satisfied. What is it? What's keeping you from going all in? Would you stand with me? I want to pray.